A welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is my great privilege to be the lead pastor here at Cassidy Church, uh, to be able to be a part of a community of faith that takes seriously who God is and what God calls us into, that, that we can experience Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for ourselves, that we can lean into a relationship with God and grow in that relationship so that we can go into the world and share the good news of Jesus with everybody we encounter. If you're new here, I just wanted to say welcome. Thank you so much for taking some of your time to come and be a part of this service of worship. We're, we're celebrating who God is. Uh, we want to invite you to come back, to be a part of this community of faith, to go on a journey with us, because we realize, hey, we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want to invite you to come on a journey with us, to grow in relationship with one another, in relationship with God, our Father, so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, so that we can share God's love and grace with the world. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we're starting this brand new worship series, uh, and, and it's called Gospel. The idea of Gospel is that we're going to take a deep dive into the story of Jesus and, and, and into the, the narratives that there are four books called Gospels, uh, but understand a little bit more about who Jesus is and what Jesus is calling us to. Uh, I, I remember when I first became Christian. I had an experience. If you haven't known me, I grew up outside of the church. Uh, didn't really care a lot about the church. I thought it was ridiculous uh, until, uh, until it wasn't, until I had uh, a, an interaction with the real presence of God, and it freaked me out so much so that I needed to figure out how to be what everybody called Christian. What does it look like to be Christian? How can I live into this? And so I, I, I found a church and I was attending the church, and I was asking, hey, how do I, how do I become you know, this thing called Christian? What do I need to do? And everybody's response was, hey, you should read some stuff. Read the Bible. Read the Gospels. Read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. Read it all. And I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is a pretty thick book, and the words are really small. And so I was less than enthralled by the idea of reading the entirety of the Bible. But I had the idea. Uh, I liked re listening to books on tape, so I figured, hey, the Bible is a book. Uh, I will get a Bible on tape. And good, the good news for me was there was a copy of the New Testament in, on, on audio cassettes. I had a Toyota Corolla at the time, and it had a tape player, and man, I felt like I was living in high cotton, uh, especially with... Uh, you know, with all the snow that we just recently got, uh, there is no high cotton, and we don't even say that out here. But you know, it's good. It's a it's a phrase. Uh, so I was living high because I was able to hear the story of of Jesus, and and I was able to kind of lean into that relationship and and understand who Jesus was a little bit more than than I had before. Uh, and what I figured out is that the Gospels. The, the, the narrative stories we have about Jesus are not just stories. The gospel is always a message about Jesus and our invitation into God's story. Our invitation to be a part of what God is doing. Our invitation into God's life and, and the way that God calls us into relationship. And that's why for the next 13 weeks... We're going to be taking a look 
at, at a deep dive into this gospel story, what it is and, and who Jesus is and why Jesus is important and what does it mean to each and every one of us? Uh, how do we respond to the, the story of Jesus. And, and so I wanted to start uh, just with, with some basic information. First, there are four books that are called Gospels in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four books have different perspectives, and they're written to different audiences. Uh, the, the context of the, the books is, is important, who they were written to, because the, the author is, is, just like every book ever written, the author is trying to convey a message to the audience that was intended. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand that. And, and it's important for us to understand that they were written using different styles. Three of the Gospels are called synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They, they run in, kind of with a similar timeline and very similar stories. Now, there are some stories that are in one of those and not in the other, uh, and vice versa. But, but the the theme throughout, the, the, the way that they go through time is kind of similar with all three of them. And then you have John's gospel, which John is writing for a different purpose with a different audience in mind. And so the gospels can, the books called gospels can look drastically different, although they convey the same underlying thought. Think of it this way. If you're writing a resume, when, when, back when I had uh, tech jobs, when I worked in IT, if I was trying to get a new job, I, I would have two or three different resumes available. One that highlighted my management skills in case there was a management position that I found. One that highlighted my tech skills in case it was a tech job that I found. Whatever the need was, I, I would put that into my resume so that the reader, the hiring manager of whatever company it was, would see what I was trying to tell them about me. And, and that's the same idea of the Gospels. The, the authors are trying to tell a certain group of people at a certain time the story that happened with Jesus. And, and here's the deal. The, the, the authors of the Gospels never identify themselves. We have, fortunately, we had uh, early church fathers that attributed the authorship to the people that we say. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are attributed to them by early church fathers so that we know who wrote them. Otherwise, they just seem to be books without an author because the author wasn't concerned about who they were. They wanted to paint a picture of who Jesus was. Uh, their whole idea was, I want you to know who this Jesus is uh, because it's important. And so I, I want us to understand that when we look at the Gospels, although they look differently, they contain different things, some have this story and not that story, uh, the theme, the underlying theme is, is similar in all four of these Gospel stories. Uh, and that's because they were all eyewitness accounts or, or accounts based on eyewitness accounts of who Jesus is and what Jesus was calling uh, the, the early church into. Uh, and, and they started being written about 60 AD. Here, here's what happened. The early church was so focused on doing 
what Jesus said? That they weren't busy writing down all the things that Jesus said because the apostles were still alive and, and they were expecting any moment that Jesus would come back. They woke up in the morning and they were like, well, I guess he didn't come back. Let's get to work. <laughs> and every night they were like, well, I guess maybe he'll come back tomorrow. Uh, and, and until like in the 60 AD, about 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, they started writing the gospels down because the people that, that uh, knew the stories of Jesus started to die. Rome was persecuting the early church. There were executions. There were people that had had these stories and, and, and they weren't able to share the stories anymore. And so they, they started writing down the stories for the next generation of people that would come in. In case Jesus didn't come back, we want to preserve these stories so that we would all understand who Jesus is and what the, the gospel is. And so uh, that's, that's one of the main reasons why the same theme runs throughout is because it's the idea of preserving the, the faith and answering a few questions about Jesus. The first is this, who is Jesus? Uh, the Bible answers that through the Gospels in this way, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Anointed One. Uh, this is the role that Jesus plays, and it fulfills so many of the, the requirements of the prophets. The second, what has Jesus done? Jesus lived a life taught in ministry, but then he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, and raised on the third day. Why has Jesus done this? He does this so that we can have life in him. We were separated from God and, and, and we needed God to do something on our behalf. And that's what Jesus does through his life, death, and resurrection. How can we know that this is true? The, the reason we know that this is true is there were eyewitnesses to the stories, and there is history about this story, and, and, and we can have faith in that. And, and that's the last question is, how do we respond to the Bible narratives on Jesus? What is our response to the story of Jesus? It's all important. It all helps us to understand, but it all has to start somewhere. We have to have a beginning for the gospel stories. And what's, what's great um, is that uh, the gospel stories, like all good literature, all good stories, kind of start with a, in, a, in a way that draws you into the story. I mean, if you think about it, all, all literature does this. They, uh, here we go. Call me Ishmael. Uh, from Herman Melville's uh, classic Moby Dick, Call Me Ishmael. What does that elicit? That, that makes in your head or in my head, I'm like, well, who is Ishmael? Why is he saying, call me Ishmael? Is his real name not Ishmael? What's going on in this story? What is the story that Ishmael is going to share with me? It, it, it draws me into the story. Or truly nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous. I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? That's from the Telltale Heart from Edgar Allan Poe. Or maybe one of my favorite opening lines in all of literature comes from a guy named Stephen King, who is a popular author even today. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger 
followed. Who was the man in black? Who is the gunslinger? Why is the gunslinger following the man in black? What is going on? The, the reason that all of these are, are stated that way, they, they draw us in. The beginning is important, and the Gospels are no different. They recognize that it's important to start well, to draw the reader in, to give us a desire to know more, because if you're reading literature and, and it's got a horrible intro, it's going to be something you struggle to get through. And that's, that's the reason that the Gospels, are, are, they are stories about Jesus, and they tell from different perspectives the, the narrative of who Jesus is and, and all of those facts that we went through. And so I, I love the way that Mark does it. Mark, Mark starts out and he just like, I, I'm going to throw out a thesis statement so that everybody can get behind. I don't know, when, when you were in school, did you ever get criticized by your teacher because you didn't have a thesis statement in your paper that you were doing? Well, Mark must have had that same teacher because he starts in this way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark just throws it out there. He says, hey, this is who Jesus is, and I want you to know who Jesus is so that I can, I can demonstrate through the rest of my, my writing that Jesus is the Son of God, that this is his thesis. He's building the rest of the story about Jesus on that statement. Not all the Gospels start that way. Uh, actually, some of them, if you read Matthew's Gospel, for example, you'll probably look at it and you'll be like, man, this is not all that compelling because it starts with, with a lineage. Uh, it starts by saying, hey, uh, Jesus is descended from Abraham. And it goes through all of these different people to demonstrate this. And for us in, in, the, in the modern era, we sit back and we're like, oh, this is awful. I don't know who these people are and why should I care? But for the Jews in the time of Jesus, this was this was critical because it demonstrated who Jesus was. And, and it showed that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, the father of the faith. Actually, in Luke's gospel, he takes it all the way back to Adam. You remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Luke takes the gospel, the, 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 the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Adam so that they can prove first that he is a son of David, uh, of the line of David, but also that he is of the line and lineage of Abraham so that he can, uh, he can fulfill the, the requirements of the prophets. Uh, then, then we have some of them begin with the birth narratives. Around Christmas time, we read so much about these stories of Jesus' birth. Uh, we all celebrate, yes, it's so good, uh, but the birth narratives are there not just so that they're a good story, they're there because they prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, they prove it because they call on the prophecies of the Old Testament to say who Jesus is. There were, there were some checklists, check boxes about Jesus, about the Messiah, who he was and what his role was going to be that he had to fulfill in order to truly be considered the Messiah. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, it starts this way. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, 
came about. Matthew decides to take a show, don't tell sort of way. He says, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, and this is how I know that Jesus is the Messiah. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but there, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Um, this, is, this is a polite way of saying G, that, that Mary, uh, Mary was still a virgin when she became pregnant with Jesus. And, and, and it's important for that to be the case because, like I said, there's certain check marks that have to be fulfilled for Jesus to be the Messiah. He has to be born of a virgin. He has to be uh, born in Bethlehem. He has to be of the house and line of David. And so let's, let's take a look at, at some of these prophecies. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The, the virgin will conceive. Now, for us today, th- this, should, this is one of those things that this is a compelling intro to a story. Uh, a virgin is going to be pregnant. That, that doesn't happen. And so how is all of this there? Why is this there? And understanding that it's, it's part of a bigger story is so key for us. That, that the Old Testament, the, the writings of the Jewish uh, faith point to the Messiah, the one who would come that was going to make things different. Micah says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, who, whose origins are uh, from of old, from ancient times. That, that from Bethlehem, is going to be born the Messiah. And we remember those stories around Christmas, right? Uh, Joseph and Mary go to fulfill the census that Rome had ordered and issued, and they go to Bethlehem, and there's no room at the inn. Um, but out of Bethlehem, Jesus comes. Jesus is born. And so we see, okay, there's the fulfillment of two of the prophecies. And then he's got to be of the house and line of David. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That, that this, this Messiah would, would be of the line of David because that's how he sits on David's throne. Not, not physically sitting on the chair that David sat on, but because he is of the line of David, he has the authority to sit on the throne of David. And so the birth stories tell us who Jesus is in reference to the Old Testament scriptures, that he is fulfilling them. And then John, I love John's gospel because he takes it in a different way. He's like, I'm not satisfied with just calling the Old Testament uh, stories as, as who Jesus is. I want you to understand Jesus' divinity, not just his humanity, his human lineage, but his divinity, that he is the Son of God. John begins this way with a a beautiful poem. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one who has, create, who has created all that we know. And without him, nothing was created that has been created. It's all about who Jesus is. The gospel authors want us to know who Jesus is. And that's, that's how you start a letter, a story, a document. You, you introduce the characters of the, of the, the, the letter, the story. And so when we look at the gospel narratives, these four different books, it, it, can, it can be one of those things where we see the differences and, and, and we see that this story isn't over here and, and the timelines seem different. One of the things we need to recognize is that the gospel authors weren't concerned with the historical accuracy of the document they were writing. They were concerned with the theological proofs that they needed to demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One who had been prophesied and came into the world so that he could perform his, his life, death, and resurrection so that he could call us into relationship so that we would know who he is. And, and so just like all of the stories of Jesus, the question at the end of any portion of Jesus' life is, how should we respond? What does it look like for us to, to hear the gospel message, to, to respond in a way that is meaningful? What, what does that, our response look like? And I think there are three things that we could respond with, three responses that we could have. The first is that we just believe. We believe because we have heard. We believe because of our experience, our life. Maybe we grew up in the church and we've always believed, but if you're new into the faith, uh, just hearing this, hey, just believe. That, that can be some difficult stuff. You can hear that line, hey, just believe, and you can be like, well, I, I can't just believe. And, and I want to I wanna say, hey, that's okay. Um, belief is one avenue. The second response we can have to Jesus' story of life, death, and resurrection is to seek, to seek to understand more, to, to gather more information so that you can make a good decision, to ask questions and, and to desire to know more about what this story is all about. Is this Jesus really who he claims to be? Is there evidence of it? What is the, the hope and, and the promise that I can receive out of it? And, and if you are one of those people, I just want to say, hey, I, I, I am sure, 100% certain that God is not offended by you wanting to understand who uh, and, and if all of this is real. And so if that's you, if you're sitting out there and you're, you're uh, on this seeking fence that you've heard this nudge or you, you have this desire to know more, uh, I want to encourage you. Hey, uh, I've set up an email account, gospel at cassidychurch.org. Uh, send us an email with a question. We're going to have this deal called Talk It Over Tuesdays, and we're going to get together on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock on Facebook. Uh, each week during this, this 
um, 13-week series. Each week, we're going to talk it over. If you have questions, come on there. Ask questions. That's what this is all about. We want to grow and understand who Jesus is so that we can know what Jesus is calling us to and whether or not we're going to believe. And, and that leads us to the third side of this, and, and that is we could reject what we hear. Now, my hope is that's not where you're headed. That, that as we travel through the story of the gospel, that maybe the seeking turns into faith. Maybe you allow God to enter into that relationship with you. That you allow God a presence in your life. That you seek and find the truth of the gospel. And, and, and the hope in that is that we can allow God into our lives to, to transform us. And when we seek God, God wants to reveal himself to us. And, and so that's why Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. God's not trying to make it difficult for you. God wants you to come to him and God has already been coming to you. And so uh, let's embrace and embark on this new journey. The idea that God is here with us and, and wants to reveal himself to us and, and that we can ask questions, that we can seek and journey together, and that we can begin well this journey into gospel and that we can come to know who we are in the eyes of God, whose we are, so that we can live out our lives the way that God has in mind for us, that, that God's understanding of who we are is who we become through the gospel, the power of the gospel, Christ at work within us. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of Jesus Christ, for the gospel, the message of Christ revealed to us through authors so long ago, but so powerful still to this day. Help us to, to seek your face. Help us to seek to understand who you are and, and what you're calling us to. Help us to get to know you better during this time so that we can embrace this idea of good news the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that we can be the people that you are calling us to be, so that we can live into the hope and the promise that you have in mind for us. And Father, if one of us is out here, um, either online or in person, and we're struggling, God, draw near to us so that, that we can experience your presence, so that we can experience the, the grace and the hope that is in Jesus, and that through the gospel message, our lives can be forever transformed. We pray this together in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of us agreed and said, amen.